0: did it stay out
1: a putt to make golfing history and it rims out
2: We thought we were going to have a podcast last week, and I want to just apologize right off the top. But Don was actually in a car accident; both broke of his both of his ankles <laughs> trying to find Pokemon. So we couldn't right. we couldn't do the show last week. But um, we were just talking about it before we started, and we've kind of been. I think I said we did three shows in April, two shows in May, three shows in June, two shows in July. We're gonna do the show today. It's gonna to post either late this week or early next week. And then the last week of July, we'll do a show, and we'll be back to weekly. Because in August is always one of the biggest months of the year on the show because we get the big football guests before football starts.
0: Yeah, and we like to get rambly about fantasy football. We'll do a big
2: fantasy guy. You know, Fabiano will be on at least once. You know, hopefully Trico will still be on. And if Trico's not on, hopefully the new Monday Night Football play-by-play guy will be on. You know, Joe Buck already committed to being on. So we'll be doing all that kind of stuff in August and getting ready for fantasy, getting ready for the regular NFL. So we've kind of embraced the slowness of the summer to take a little bit of time. Um, So we've been going pretty hard straight through for five years on this, so it's been good for us to take a little bit of time and uh, regroup a little bit as far as that goes. It is, uh, as it stands anyway, episode 19 of the sixth season of the Sportscasters, uh, we'll call it july 14th but it won't go up that early right uh, it's definitely a fluid situation uh, brian curtis mayor may not be on this week he's got to go to the republican national convention so we're either going to record before he goes or after i don't know why the ringer is covering the republican <laughs> national convention just so that i guess so there can be another liberal site to be snarky about it i guess sure um oh i want to say this there's no other spot to say it in the podcast I really want to like Bill Simmons' show, but the problem with it on HBO is last night his guest was Aaron Rodgers, and the first eight minutes of the interview was about the NBA.
0: Really? <laughs> Not about... He's talking
2: to Aaron Rodgers about...
0: What's it like marrying a celebrity? No, no. No? no.
2: Now, in fairness, the last eight minutes of it was decent, okay. but... Why didn't we have 16 good minutes with Aaron Rodgers? Now, I, was, this the,
0: was this the show, too, you said a little bit? I can't remember which way you leaned on it. Did you say it, it sounds a little bit like they're swearing because they have the forum, or it didn't no, feel No, like I didn't feel like Okay, it didn't feel I like I felt
2: that. like it was just guys talking, because that was the Aflac thing when people were all over him because he was swearing about That's Tom right. Brady. Okay. I right. thought that was so. So it
0: sounded natural. So you yeah. did like it otherwise, but you did. No, didn't. the show
2: is okay. It's just that, and I'm going to ask Brian Curtis this, whether it's on this show or next week. Instead of the ringer, why didn't Bill Simmons just make an NBA website?
0: Because that's clearly what he wants to do.
2: Right. You know what I mean? And I I get that HBO wasn't going to give him a half an hour NBA show every week, even though it seems like he wants that anyway. Uh-huh. If you're interviewing the best NFL quarterback about watching <laughs> watching a Sacramento Kings team that never even won a conference championship.
0: Yeah, I guess you'll see now, like going forward, I, although it was... I mean, basketball is over anyway at that point. But I mean, now you're really into the off season. So basketball is just
2: not relevant right now. But to Simmons, it is because he loves it, which sure. is fine. But I wonder if he got scared because I wonder if he wanted to do an NBA site, but the guy from Yahoo Woj got to him first with the vertical.
0: Hmm. Where does basketball fall? Like, I know hockey is a niche sport. I saw the Forbes thing today. It said it's like. Uh, a hockey team doesn't crack the top fifty high for in, value. For value in a franchise, I know basketball. But is I kind of call bullshit
2: on that in the sense that if the Rangers were going to be sold, they oh, okay. would sell way above the value. Sure. Or the Toronto Maple Leafs. like right? If the, if they actually sell those teams, I mean, look at what the Sabres sold for, mm-hmm. or what the what the Bills are a better example. What the Bills sold for way above what Forbes value is. Right. So, you know.
0: And I know basketball is slightly higher. No, but... basketball
2: is higher than the NHL. They crush them in ratings. Right. They don't crush them in like attendance. It's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that their franchises are more valuable or anything like that. They're not.
0: Yeah, I just I... got crazy here for a second. Um, yeah, I just wonder if a basketball-centric website, like maybe it's just a business move. Like maybe that's what he'd really want to do, but he just doesn't think he'd draw the numbers at a basketball-only website.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Is he drawing the numbers at whatever the ringer is? I have no idea. Me neither. So it'll be interesting to yeah. talk to Brian Curtis about this. So sure. We'll, he's one of the editors there. He's the editor at large, I believe, is his title. So he'll either, either be on this show or he'll be on the next show. But so he with, will be on
0: With that group of guys, like the Simmons, Corolla, Like they all know each other. So like even if somehow Simmons failed, even though he was kind of the, the biggest of all of them for a little while there, He'd be somewhere, you know, Kimmel. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, Simmons is never going to be jobless or moneyless.
0: Right, so he can, I guess, afford to do what he wants. And
2: he had several. I mean, he has several. The, the Ringer can fail as a website, but the podcast network is so popular. they are got right. to be killing it with that. Yeah. So, and they have great investments behind them. But it'll be interesting to talk more about this stuff with uh, Curtis. So he's on the radar. Also, Wertheim is going to be on to talk about Wimbledon. Wimbledon. I always call it Wimbledon for some reason. Uh, Wimbledon, he'll be on to talk about that. I don't know if that's today. That might be why this goes up Monday instead of Friday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all fluid, and we'll get some good people on here. Uh, We'll do a book club later, and we will finish with um, one last thing, which I'm going to insist Don explains to me what Pokemon Pokemon Go Go is.
0: That's where it was going to be anyway.
2: For his. So let's start with three things.
0: Let's play a game. All right. Mm -hmm. On a three, one. Alrighty, I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA
2: lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs>
0: this is the funnest night ever! <laughs>
2: Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. Every time I'm paying attention enough, when that clip goes and I hear Jamarcus Russell's name, I cringe that we haven't updated that.
0: <laughs> yeah, is anyone left on there? Oh, uh, Drew Brees is one of the names.
2: <sighs> God, that needs to be updated. Yeah. Uh, it is slow out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Major League Baseball is at the the break, uh, which leads me to one of my favorite things. Oh no! Uh, in podcast every year. Let me no, see no if idea. Don knows is in first place. No idea. We'll get to that in a second. It was a decent All Star break, though. Uh, I had fun with it. Uh, the home run derby, the new format is.
0: I've heard it's it's gotten to the point where better.
2: I don't remember what they did before, yeah. but this is infinitely
0: better. Wasn't a certain number of swings or something before? It's a bracket style. You can pick ahead. Uh, oh, you mean the whole format? I'm thinking just the actual. uh The rounds
2: are timed.
0: Yeah, I, they got two minutes or something.
2: Yeah, Don's son just walked in. Does he <laughs> want to be on the podcast? Does he talk?
0: He won't say much, probably.
2: Bring him over here. Ryan, come here.
0: No, he's going to be shy. No, Ryan he's does not want to be on the podcast.
2: Uh, but it was great. It was a good home run derby. I enjoyed it. Gian- Giancarlo Stanton hit 61 home runs to win it. Yeah, that's insane. Over the course of... And, you know, even going into that last round when he had already hit 48 home runs or whatever, he still could have lost if he didn't have a good round. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's not like he had run away with it, but... He just he crushed it. It was cool. It's interesting that it was 61, too, because that was always such a hollow number in sure. baseball. Sure, yeah, I thought that, too. You know, with home runs. Uh, and then the American League uh, won the All-Star Game, so they'll get to host Game 7 of the World Series because they still do that.
0: Yeah, that's silly. I guess they have to make it matter, but nobody cares. This and, and also it doesn't matter, right? I mean, home field advantage doesn't really matter.
2: Absolutely in tanked in the ratings. Like, yeah. way down from last year. Last year, scored in the tens. This scored in the 7s. I'm not sure why, but I'm sure they're panicking.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't understand how baseball. You would think with all the head problem. I mean, maybe we're just too far ahead of it. You know, like the maybe ten years from now, when parents are a little gun shy about putting their kids into football, they put them into baseball.
2: I just don't know what the difference is between this years and last years that it would go down so much. Yeah, but it did.
0: I, I don't know if it was advertising and. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the running joke is that I don't get to the screen for these things, and I didn't again, but I didn't even know what was going on. Like, yeah, So maybe the advertising it, wasn't there. Or blows
2: my mind. But All right. You ready?
0: Not ex- not at all.
2: Who is in first place in the American League East, Don?
0: Uh, let's go with Toronto.
2: Uh, Toronto stands in. Th- okay, I'll give you that. It's a three-way tie. Technically, Toronto would be third right now. Wow, but really? that's a real technicality because they're tied. Sure. you know. But if you base it by winning percentage, Toronto has the lowest. Mm. Uh, but Baltimore, Boston, and Toronto are in a... And you know what? That's not true. I can't give you that one. Baltimore? Baltimore is in first. All right. Boston and Toronto are two games I think back. I kind of
0: forgot about Baltimore.
2: Toronto has 51 wins, as does Baltimore. Okay. But they have 40 in the loss. You can't make that up. So Baltimore is in first. Sure. All right. The Central Division, maybe the story of Major League Baseball so far, uh, is in first place. <laughs> I have no idea. At I don't even know the divisions that way. Well. And 36. This is the division with the Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians, Kansas City Royals, and Minnesota Twins.
0: Uh, I guess... Uh, I don't think it'd be a story if it was Kansas City unless they were just tearing it up. Kansas City
2: is forty five and forty three in fourth place, four and a half out.
0: Okay. So the biggest story would be who? Minnesota maybe?
2: Minnesota, thirty two and fifty six. <laughs> <dead laughs> well, that's about right. Seventeen and a half <laughs> I out. I don't know. Why is it Cleveland is in first oh, place okay. at fifty two and thirty six. Um the best record in the American League at the break is in the West, which is the Angels, the Athletics, the Mariners. Houston and Texas. Who is in first place, Don, in the AL West? I'm
0: gonna guess the Angels. Uh,
2: the Angels are 37 and 52 <laughs> for 16 and a half back, and in dead
0: last. Oh boy. Uh, who are those teams again?
2: Texas, Houston, Seattle, Oakland, and the Angels. Let's go with Houston. Texas is in first place at 52 <laughs> and 36, or 54 and 36, despite. Going three and seven in the last 10. Hmm. 54 wins, impressive.
0: That's crazy after losing seven. Who
2: them. do you think would be the two wild card teams at the break?
0: Um, would, let's the American say League. would it be both of the East teams?
2: Correct. Boston and Toronto are in the wild card. Houston's two back. Detroit's four back, and uh, the White Sox are four and a half back, and the the Royals as well. And then I guess you could say Seattle and the Yankees are five and five and a half back. I think you could count out Oakland, LA, Tampa, and Minnesota, who are all double digit games out of the second wild card.
0: It's kind of amazing the Yankees are even in it, right? I mean,
2: they're not good. Yeah. Yankee fans are hoping their team loses right now so that they'll be sellers. Okay. You know, they want to move some of that older talent uh, to a contender. All right. The National League. In the East, which features the nine Mets, Miami Marlins, Washington, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. And if you say Atlanta, I will
0: strangle you. <laughs> uh,
2: Who is in first place? Is
0: it Washington?
2: It is Washington. Oh, good. I got one. Strasburg is undefeated at the break, so he probably won't be pitching in the playoffs. They're going to go just ahead and shut, shut him down. down yeah. Yeah. The Central Division. This should be the easiest. The Cubs. This team has been in first place all year. The Cubs. The Cubs, yeah. All right. 53-35. 2-8 in the last 10. Their first... Their first rough stretch.
0: I know for a team that hasn't won in a million years, they are the consensus. People are into it. They're going to win this year.
2: The number one team at the break in Major League Baseball at 57-33 and 33, uh, leads the West. Which team is it? The Dodgers, the Rockies, the Padres, like the, Giants. the Giants, or the Car- uh, Diamondbacks. You're I was going to say the Giants. The Giants is correct. 57-33, 8-2 and, 33, eight and two in their last 10. Remember, it is an even year. The Giants have won the last three oh, year right. World Series.
0: I try to base it on teams I think have good pitching, if I remember right.
2: Who do you think would be in the wild card in the National League? You get two teams there. Uh,
0: I'm going to say someone from Chicago's division.
2: Uh, no one the from Mets, Chicago's division. Th- the
0: Mets had a good start, didn't they? No.
2: There's three teams atten- essentially tied for a wild card. The Mets are one. Mm-hmm. They're tied with another team for the second wild card, who's also in their division. Hmm. Maybe a team you wouldn't think of. uh,
0: A team I wouldn't think of.
2: But their star won the Home Run Derby.
0: Oh, shit. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Because I know he's a star. It's
2: Miami. Okay. And then this team leads the wild card and was the subject of a potential book club book of the year.
0: The Dodgers? Yes.
2: Uh, The Cardinals are only one back. The Pirates are one and a half back. Um, and then there's a bunch of teams between 6 and 10 back. And the Arizona, Cincinnati, and Atlanta are double digits out. So that's Major League Baseball at the break. Nailed it. You want to guess who's leading any statistical categories at the break?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> you
2: want to try home runs?
0: I'm going to say Strasburg's leading in wins. I think you might have that one right. <laughs>
2: Definitely winning percentage.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is Stanton leading in home runs?
2: No, Trumbo is uh, leading in no. home runs. We won't go through all this. I was kind of kidding. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What a year that um, the pitchers are having, though. It's been kind of a pitcher season, I think.
0: Any so, reason for it or just talent? Yeah, it might be talent.
2: Yeah. I mean, you got a guy like Kershaw. He's 11-2, and the 1.79 ERA in his 16 starts. He has... 145 strikeouts. How many walks do you think he has?
0: It's got to be crazy if you're saying it, I don't know, 30? <laughs> lower. Really?
2: <laughs> Much lower. 10? Lower.
0: Wow, that's unreal. Nine walks. That's unreal.
2: <laughs> in 70, what did I say? How many starts? 16 starts, 121 innings. He has nine walks. His whip is .73. That's walks and hits per innings pitched.
0: Anyone who's into baseball is going to hate these questions because I'm an idiot, but... uh is this backlash from kind of the steroid era that we're seeing?
2: Yeah, maybe, could be. Yeah, Baumgartner, ten and four, one point nine four ERA. He has a hundred and forty six strikeouts. He has thirty two walks, and his WHIP is only point nine six. It's, it's just barely worse than, than um, Kershaw's. Kershaw, yeah. Those two pitchers both pitch in the National League, so that means Strasburg. Who is twelve and zero at the break has almost no chance of winning the Cy Young. <laughs> he might have to go thirty and zero to be in consideration for the Cy Young.
0: <laughs> That'd be something.
2: Yeah, and you know, and then there's not even talking about you know Johnny Cueto in San Francisco. He's thirteen and one. He actually leads and wins. Wow, thirteen and one, two point four seven ERA.
0: Well, how many pitchers does San Francisco have?
2: Yeah, well, that's why they're. In first. Yeah, I guess so. They had Samarja too. They have a great top three. They be a really tough out. So Major League Baseball at the deadline. <laughs> uh, the open championship. As we kinda talk, round one happened. Phil Mickelson had a historic day. Just missed the putt. Um, that could have given him the highest uh lowest s- lowest round yeah. round. Uh, it's interesting because they're going to play two majors here real quick, because they didn't want to have the PGA Championship against the Olympics. Yeah, that is weird. So they're going to play this, and I think there's one tournament, and then they're going to play the PGA.
0: So is that one tournament going to be one where nobody shows up then? Probably. Is it like the second? I mean, strike? unless
2: you do probably, unless you like miss the cut or something, and feel like you need to get your your game back okay. before that, but, sure. Yeah, they're gonna have kind of a crazy schedule here. So I don't know when we'll get Damon in. Maybe we'll just wait until after the second one. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of reason to bring him in, but Damon will be on. We'll have to have Anthony back too. Yeah. He was great. Talk some him. golf with us. Um, so that's going on this weekend. You think you'll watch it at all? It sounds such a weird time this tournament. The one the best thing about the British Open is if you're up on that Sunday morning. It's kind of like Wimbledon. Yeah, you golf know, is you good. got that great
0: Golf is good background, especially if you have kids and you don't want to stare at a TV and like you want to be a dad. Like you put that on in the background cuz the kids don't care about it and you can kind of look up at it. Uh, we've said it since high def, but it's it's pretty on high def.
2: Yeah, anytime the British Open has a really nice ending, it feels like it plays out at the perfect time on a Sunday. You know, that that 6 hours or whatever they're giving up just kind of works perfectly for a nice Sunday morning. Uh, Serena Williams she won again uh, w- at Wimbledon uh, she tied Steffi Graf for the most majors I don't think there's any doubt she's the greatest female tennis player of all time No. the next day or even, maybe even the same day she also won the doubles with her sister again they've won like 14 of those yeah. and she's a freak she's ridiculous um, Andy Murray won his second Wimbledon uh seems so weird that Djokovic didn't win it, you know. Seems like he's been such a run. Seems like in the last 30 years of golf, it's like or tennis, it's like there was the Sampras era, followed by the Federer era, followed by the Djokovic era. You know. Yeah. So, but it's good to see Murray. That's his third major. So that's kind of a tennis and golf break and then real quick to end three things. Third, everything else is just rumor. You know, that's everything else in the sports world right now. There's rumors that Blake Griffin is going to be traded to the Celtics in some kind of three-team deal. Um, there is this short list that Vessi has, which I'd like to rip out and throw in the window, stick up his ass.
0: It's weird, right? I mean
2: I could care I, less about Jimmy Vessi at this I, point. I
0: get wanting to live at home, but as far as your hockey career, that's such a bad spot for you. You have a spot in a lineup right now.
2: And he should give Buffalo an answer. There's no reason Buffalo should have to wait until he tests free agency. Do you want to come or not?
0: Right. There's nothing to test. Like, as far as contracts, there's no money. Yeah. Everyone's going to give him the exact same contract, maximum rookie contract, which is what? Two years? It's all
2: spelled out in the CBA. Yep. So he either wants to come or he doesn't.
0: It is weird. I don't know what he can hope for. Who
2: does he think he is? I don't know. This is going to get changed in the next collective bargaining agreement. I don't think NHL veterans who spend years earning free agency and signing bridge deals maybe they didn't want to or whatever are going to put up with these college kids getting to free agency immediately on a a technicality. It's a
0: weird thing that exists anyway. What's the idea behind it?
2: It's just a loophole that's going to get closed, and it's going to be good for guys like Fessy and Schultz or whoever got to exploit it before it did.
0: It'll get closed in a hurry too because none of those guys in there – are going to care about the rookies as you know? I mean, I don't. Not that they don't care about them, but well,
2: rookies always lose when CBAs are decided. Yep. Look at the NFL. Oh yeah, yeah, think about how much rookies lost in the NFL. Yep. You know, rookies don't win in CBA agreements because they're not in the league when CBAs are being yep, agreed they're upon. They're not in the room, right? Right. <laughs> so they're never going to win those battles. Did we even talk before we end this real quick? Did we talk about the fact that Kevin Durant is going to the Warriors?
0: Oh, no. No, I don't think we did cuz that would have been on the week off. Yeah, that's crazy. Basketball's nuts. And I was actually going to say that when you talk about Blake Blake Griffin getting moved potentially. Uh, it's weird. Basketball's the one team you can make a dynasty because you need two players, you know? Maybe like and this they have a salary cap. Yes, but you can spend it all on a few guys and just have a lousy bench or whatever. And you then if
2: you, you drafted the guy like Yes, Golden State will have a salary cap, but they can spend more money on Curry than anyone else can.
0: Right. So, and it seems like how another does work for basketball, if another
2: you're... loophole that's going to be closed is what LeBron James has been doing, and Kevin Durant did. These kind of Opting like out. these two year deals where they can opt out. I don't yeah. totally understand it. You know, the one nice thing everyone always says about the NHL salary cap is anyone can figure it out and understand it. Yeah, there's a limit. Every contract is an average. That's the hit. Add them all up. That's what you get, right? And there's a few ways you can manipulate it here and there. Like the Blackhawks have done successfully, but for the most part, you can understand it and basketball and football. You, you can't understand football. These. Definitely not, but right.
0: Yeah. I just wonder how does, I'm not a fan of a basketball team. My football team has been bad forever. My hockey team has been bad for quite a while now, but I see how they get good. I don't see how bad basketball teams ever get good. If, it's very hard. That's league. why, you know,
2: team, when was the last time the Knicks were good? Right. You know, and the problem with the Knicks, I think, too, has been that they always try to middle it. You know, bringing in the Derrick Rose. Like, they never, never totally Carmelo break Anthony. it down. You know, they're always trying to middle it. Yeah. Um. But uh, I just wonder, like, I can't totally understand what it means to add, you know, a top three player in the league to a team that won 73 games.
0: Right. Someone said that shows how good LeBron is. If you you lose to LeBron and uh, the Cavs, and you feel the need to add a guy, I mean, what is he a top five guy? Top three, I would top say. Top three, yeah.
2: I would say if you pulled a hundred people who are the top three players in the
0: NBA, LeBron,
2: the majority would come back. LeBron, Curry, Curry. And Durant.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Uh, who retired? Tim, Tim Duncan. Duncan. Nineteen years. Congratulations.
2: What a career. Yeah.
0: Quietly, right. kind of a boring. A boring championship team. Great,
2: legacy, maybe the best power forward in the history of basketball. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Simmons made the argument.
0: Wow. And he loves basketball.
2: Sure does. All right. That's it for three things. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with our first guest. All right, our next guest is from Chicago and is a graduate of Missouri. He's a staff writer for the ringer.com and is a co host of their NFL podcast. He's making his first appearance on our show today, or Sportscasters Welcome to Robert Mays. What's going on, Robert? Not too much. That song
3: used to fill me with pride. You know, there were days where it was a nice thing to be associated with that school, and now the place is an absolute dumpster fire and everyone yeah. that worked there a year ago no longer does. And I'm not really sure how to feel about it anymore. So there's a lot of mixed feelings coming from the end of the phone.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I went to state college. So if that makes you feel any better, we don't even have a fight song.
3: Well, you know, that's okay.
2: I, not having a
3: fight song means you don't have to have torn
2: emotions about that fight song. So it, you almost got off the hook in a way. That's true. That's true. You know, I was uh I was looking at the last 48 hours I was reading a bunch of things, listening to a bunch of podcasts, and you guys are doing a great thing. I mean, it's off season, what are you going to do? And one way to get people really excited about football, I think, and to stir up passions is start listing the top 10 of things. And I'm wondering how the heat's been. Have you been getting a lot of heat from people who are pissed that you know, you ranked wide receiver X higher than their guy. It hasn't
3: been that bad. I feel like Kevin provided plenty of covering fire in the first episode <laughs> when he ranked Aaron Rodgers behind uh, Andy Dalton, which was fantastic for me because now even as people go back and listen to them, obviously they're evergreen because there's they're not related to news in any way. So people have kind of started to dig back that hadn't found it yet. I mean, I've had somebody. Every other day, at least, mention that to me on Twitter. Like, how did this happen? Like, Is your partner drunk? So that's been nice that I've gotten off the hook a little bit. The only real heat that I've gotten is from one dude who keeps mentioning that I don't have any Broncos. And the thing about the Broncos is that every single list, they have like ten, three guys that are 10 through 12 or 10 through 15. So they don't have any guys that are at the top, but they have every single player on their team is good. So you can still build a team that way
2: that wins a lot of games, clearly. Right. But outside of that, it's been pretty good. He needs to calm down. I mean, once you get to linebackers, I mean, obviously you're going to have one, right? I mean, well, I mean, Va- yeah, Vaughn was right. number one or number two among edge guys. I think Watt was one. And then we're doing
3: GMs. You know, we're taping today. It's going to run tomorrow. And spoiler alert: Jono is very high. You know, they've done a very good job of building that team.
2: Right. We should back up a step because you are one. You're, you're one of the the people at the Ringer who was also at Grantland. And and actually, we had Jason uh, Concepcion on a couple weeks ago, and I got to ask him this. So I'll ask you, how how does it feel different or similar? It
3: feels similar in the sense that I feel like the bones of the place and what we want to do are pretty similar. You know, Sean has said this before, and I totally agree with him. Grant One was a place built on this idea that we were very passionate about things, and we hoped that we could write about those things in that way. And that the readers will be able to see that, you know, it was a place where our enthusiasm was able to be celebrated. And I think that the ringer is that same way. You know, we read some weird stuff like what Shay wrote this week about Denzel Washington's relationship to tables and movies. It, it was so bizarre and I loved it. You know, that's the kind of thing where you can still do that and you can still do that here. Uh, it's different in the sense that I think you'll see it. We have a lot more, We have a lot of quick stuff. You know, the tech presence on the site is so pronounced and, I feel like Molly McHugh and her team there have done a great job in making that right away a part of the identity of the site. And, you know, we have people doing news hits. You know, you know Claire and Matt respond to things very quickly, and I think that that's a great thing to have. There's a nimbleness to this site that we may not have had at Grantland. Uh, the same part, I mean, and then the differences for me, you know, the people I work with are different. You know, it's, I miss a lot of people I work with at Grantland. You know, there's no doubt about that. And I miss Barnwell. I, you know. I'll admit that. And I miss working with Sean every day. You know, Sean's not the editor-in-chief. He's not my day-to-day editor. So things change, and that's okay. It's not necessarily better or worse, but it's definitely not the same day-to-day operation that it was before. And I don't know who thought it was going to be.
2: You know, when I watch Bill's show and, like, last week Aaron Rodgers was on, and the first seven minutes of the interview is him talking to Aaron Rodgers about the NBA, I can't help but think Bill Simmons just wants to be the NBA guy. And I wonder, (laughs) as a football guy at his site, do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like, I don't know the right way to put this, but do you ever feel like? Is it the football coverage is marginalized in any way? Yeah, do you feel marginalized in a sense that, NFL would never an NFL writer would never feel that way anywhere else because I mean the NFL is king everywhere but in the world of Bill Simmons I, I think
3: I, I I've never felt that way one time okay. honestly I the freedom that I have the work I get to do here the work I got to do in Grantland I I have zero complaints about either the amount of attention or the focus that gets put on the NFL work that I do like absolutely none whatsoever
2: you know. Grantland was built around a rule, or I was told it was a no assholes rule. And as someone who was always reaching out to Grantland people essentially for favors, you know, hey, <laughs> come on my. I mean, that's really what I was doing, is asking for a favor every time I talked to someone for Grantland. And it was unbelievable that how obvious it was that there was a no assholes rule. And it feels like Ringers the same way. And I wonder. You know, do do you feel, in a way, like that foundation makes makes the things that you write, the things that get posted, it just it creates an environment that makes the work better in some way. I think
3: it is twofold. One, there was this idea at Grantland that everyone was kind of in it together, and I feel like that's really rare in media. And there's a lot of people that are looking out for number one and you know, what they do is most important. And it's at the expense, even of the people that they work with. And I never felt that way. I felt like we all really pushed each other and we loved working together. And that was a fun feeling. But there was also this idea that you better bring it, man. Like, (laughs) if you don't, it's going to stand out because of the people that you're working with. If you look at even the ringer today, you know, whatever Jordan Kahn writes, whenever he writes, whenever Brian Curtis writes, you know, when Wesley would write at Grantland, I mean, it's the people and the talent that was there, Brian Phillips, It you have to bring it all the time. And even at the ringer, that's been true. You know, look at what Micah Peters wrote about Baton Rouge a couple of weeks ago. You can't half-ass this job because there are people that are not going to, and you owe it to them to not. As a group, you owe it to the people you work with to also respect your work and respect theirs by bringing your best foot forward every single time. And I think that that was true at Groundwood every day. And I feel like, it's been true here so far
2: one last thing about this and i want to get back to football uh you know we've seen in general it seems like so many people have been loyal to bill simmons and so many people that work for Grantland have have come with him to ringer or uh maybe are working on the tv show or in a podcast in some way and it, it makes you get this feeling that and we've had a lot of the staffers from Grantland and now we're, we're starting to get a lot of the staffers from ringer around this show and you get a sense that it's a guy that everyone really enjoys working for. And I think at Grantland you guys are in an interesting position where it was almost like an experiment in a sense where, Hey, we're going to write these really long pieces on the internet and we're going to, it wasn't really about the business end as much. And now uh Bill was sort of exiled from ESPN, and I wonder, as a guy who's been at both and in the staff in general, do you feel like you guys are, are fighting for him a little bit, like you guys are validating his position in sports media? You guys are part of a team that's proving that he didn't need ESPN, that he can create a website independent of them that can be just as good or better without them? I don't feel that
3: way. Uh, I've never felt that way because the reason I don't is because even when Bill was at the ringer and he was part of the, or excuse me, even when Bill was with Grantland and we were, when we were at Grantland, Bill's no less competitive now than he's ever been. But Bill Simmons is a very competitive person and he didn't need to leave ESPN or be pushed out of ESPN to light a fire under him. That's always been there no matter when it's been, no matter what he's trying to do, Bill wants to do the best version of whatever that is. And I feel like he instills that in other people. So I don't think we needed whatever this is to feel like we want to do the best work we can. That that's always been a staple of him and the people that work under him.
2: One thing I, I've always loved about Bill, and this will transition us back into the NFL, is him not being afraid to say, "Hey, this is who I love." And I know that that can be looked down upon sometimes in sports media. I know that you know if you're sometimes in journalism, there's this idea of you know you have to have. True neutrality, of course, uh, at times, uh, but I like the idea of knowing, hey, this guy here, he loves New England sports, and like Robert Mays is a big Bears guy, you know, and I like that. I like that atmosphere. That atmosphere works for me, you know, and it, and I, and I trust the the credibility of. I want to be able to trust the credibility of the people I enjoy to know that I can know. Who they love, and still feel like if you had to write a takedown of Jay Cutler, you'd write a takedown of Jay Cutler. You know that, that 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 those two things don't have to mix. You know, and I, that's something I've always loved about uh, about the work across the platforms. I for
3: me, it's, it's never been that complicated of a prospect. I agree. I, I'd write anything about the Bears. I mean, if they did poorly, I would do I would write something about it. If they did something I didn't agree with, I would say I didn't agree with it. I've never been want to hold back on the bulls, you know, and right. that's, I mean, I've never have been, I've said anything I've thought and I feel like reporting wise, it's a little bit more of a tricky situation because I understand why people would be hesitant to think that I'm, I wouldn't be able to do that. I understand that, but I think that just overall, you know, I'm a reporter, but I also write analytically and I also try to have fun in the things that I do. And I think that being a fan of a team allows you to maintain a certain level of enthusiasm about the league in general. You know, it's watching it just from a very detached perspective. I don't know. I, I think that it really stokes my fire about how much I love football because there's still a team that I really follow and I enjoy. And I think that that's important. I think you have to have a genuine enthusiasm and interest in the game that you're reporting on and the game that you're analyzing to do your job to the best of your ability. I guarantee you there are people that would disagree with me, and that's fine. I understand their stance on it. But that's how I feel, and I think that that's part of the reason it hasn't gone away.
2: Yeah, and I think sometimes we could be the best critics of our own teams. I mean, I'm a huge Saints fan. Absolutely. You know, I'm a huge Saints fan, and people will always email. Uh, Saints fans will always email because, you know, I think what happens when you put yourself out there as a big fan of a team is you end up getting a following of other fans of that team um you know all the, every saint sunday i spend the whole day just tweeting with random people from louisiana about the saints and um uh they will often sometimes say i can be a little bit critical of my team and and i think that i think that's good i mean i'm sure you you'd have no problem admitting that the saints did the bears a huge favor in the 2006 NFC championship game on that I mean, the Saints were about to win that game and then for some reason went pass, pass, pass and missed field goal and, you know, then the Bears were able to pull away. I mean, you'd have no problem admitting that the the Saints should have won that game and they gave it away to the Bears. So we could be really... I did not, I, I'm not so quick to do that, for sure. <laughs> no, I, I almost set that up just to make that joke, kind of. Uh, but, uh, Look, the season, let's let's really that that transition. Let's transition really back into NFL. You wrote a cool thing about uh, fantasy, and I want to ask you before we talk about the piece and, and fantasy in general. How how do you look at yourself? Like I've always loved, I've I loved fantasy football, and I felt as the years have gone on, I've loved it less. Um, this is always my favorite peak fantasy time. I love preseason fantasy football. Uh, I love mock drafting. I love eventually drafting. And then it feels like the frustration of the game itself wears me out each week of the NFL season. I become less and less of a fantasy guy. But um, where do you find the balance between fantasy football, rooting for your team, uh, your fantasy team, rooting for your real teams? Uh, where do you fall in the spectrum? I'm always root
3: for my team first, but I almost look like when a team is when a player I have is playing against my team, I'm hedging it. You know, when the Patriots played the Bears a couple years ago, and it was that absolute massacre in New England, I had Gronk, so I was like, "Oh, this is okay." You know, this this makes it a little easier to stomach. But I love fantasy football. I always have, and it's just enjoyable to me. It's just a way to do something with my friends. I mean, the league that I'm in that I spend the most time on is a keeper league that's been going on for five years now. And it's just something that it keeps, you know, the high school guys, you know, guys that are getting married, you know, my friend just had a kid and we're only 28 and things are changing very fast. And this is just a way to kind of keep in touch in ways we probably wouldn't otherwise. And I love that. And if you can give them endless amounts of shit, I don't know if I can swear on here. Oh Uh, Along with that, then that's even better, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm in the second year of a dynasty league and I'm falling in love with playing dynasty I like almost don't even want to do redraft anymore like I feel like it's just a totally different game and I'm super into I've been super into that so it's kind of reigniting me a little bit um but yeah there's an excitement to it for sure I mean it the amount of actual engagement you have to show with it is important I mean
3: you can't really stop you know I'm doing I'm figuring out trades right now you know it's figuring like, trying to make sure that I get keepers that other people have that they can't keep, but maybe I can, you know, it's July. And I right. like that. I like the fact that it starts this early because those are the decisions you have to make.
2: Yeah, that's what I like about Dynasty. I had a t- My my Dynasty team was loaded with wide receivers, and I had to figure out a way to get a running back, and I wanted to try to get up and get Zeke. That guy wouldn't trade. I ended up, ended up trading Cooper to get Bell, but I didn't want to trade Cooper. But it's like those kind of things you're thinking about in July. Um and like you said, it gets you excited for the season earlier. You wrote a piece based on a two hundred dollar uh, auction, and I, I would think Bills fans in Buffalo would be very excited about the fact that you had Watkins and uh, uh, Taylor on this list. You're confident in that in that uh, in that in that connection this year.
3: I mean, I'm confident in the sense that I think it's exciting. I mean, that's the point of the, the post is that there are more prudent decisions you can make. I mean, if you look at the Bills, I believe they were the first or second least pass happy offense in football you know they like to run the ball that's what they do but when he throws it to Sammy Watkins especially in the second half of the season it goes well you know Tyrod Taylor for all of his issues you know accuracy wise middle of the field short throws he can chuck it mm-hmm. and Sammy Watkins is really good at that kind of stuff so yeah I mean I think that for the price why not I think mean, Tyrod was eighth in points per game for quarterbacks last year if you can get him for eight bucks There's value to be had there. Uh, Running quarterbacks minus Cam this year, if he's going number one, always have hidden value that people don't really think about. And I feel like he's going to be able to give that to you. That's probably not the decision I would make. But again, if you're looking to have a good time,
2: Tyra Taylor and Sammy Watkins are fun to watch. Taylor's interesting in the fact that it seems like the stuff that usually comes easier to a first-year starting quarterback, which he was last year, seemed to be the stuff he struggled with. And the stuff that usually the younger quarterbacks can't do, he seemed to do better. And I don't know if that was a product of the strengths of the offense or what, but you know, it seemed like he struggled with the easy throws. And like you said, when it came to chucking it down the field, he, he seemed to be very accurate, which surprised me.
3: Yeah, I mean, he can put it down there. There are a lot of throws up against the numbers that he would throw to Watkins or even Robert Woods, and they turned out well. I think that overall, just... I don't agree with trading up for Sammy Watkins. And I mean, that is never a prudent move. You know, you give up a first round pick right. the next year, but especially in that draft. I, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, would you take Beckham? You know, and right. figure it out later. Mm-hmm. So many receivers, but the Tyrod thing, you have to give Buffalo credit. Uh, and they were willing to roll with him when they had the best example of we're bored and can't think of a better solution at quarterback and Matt Castle. And they didn't do that. And I, I like that. That's hard to do.
2: Yeah, in the NFL show, the podcast that you do, you guys, like I said, have been doing some rankings. And the wide receiver one was fascinating to me because it really does feel like we're in the golden era for wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, whether you're preparing for fantasy or watching every watching the games every week or whatever, it's unbelievable how much top-end wide receiver talent there is in the league. And, uh, I mean, you guys... Had a lot of similarities on your list, you and uh, your co-host Kevin. Uh, but I mean, man, it's amazing the wide receiver talent out there. And there's even, I mean, like I said, I was doing a dynasty draft, and it's like all the skill position players that interested me that were coming into the league—they're wide receivers too, you know. And it's 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 like wow, just the talent coming in at wide receiver. Who are some of the obviously? You know, we're all excited about Beckham. Watching him as a, a fan. This crop that's coming in this year, are you excited at all specifically about any of the wide receivers?
3: I love Josh Doxon. He's been a guy that, in going through the draft, I don't watch a lot of college, so I kind of get my first tidbits of these guys around January, February. And when I went back to dig in and watch him, I just love what he can do. I mean, just the flexibility he shows in the air and everything else, that's things that you don't see a lot. Him and DeAndre Hopkins have very similar traits in that way. DeAndre is a lot thicker he's able to kind of he's stronger he's able to hold up in ways that Doxson might not be able to but I just love the fact that when it's in the air he's going to go get it and he has a ton of flexibility in doing so and he's my among these guys I like him the best it's kind of like your flavor though you know Laquan like yeah. Trudwell is he's a big receiver that's going to be really decent in a quick strike you know west coast the offense I feel like if he's Anquan Bolden you're not upset about it but among the entire crop I think Doxson's probably my favorite
2: you know, and I think people are pumped about Elliott as a running back because of the because of the spot he landed, and I think Sterling Shepard has landed in a similar similar perfect scenario for his skills. I love him. Yeah, you know, I watched him at Oklahoma. I watched every college football game he played, and his skills. He's going to do so good playing inside with all the attention that Beckham will draw outside. He It's just a perfect marriage. I think he's going to have a really good season. I'm glad for him because he's a really good kid. He's going to have a, I think that's going to be a really good marriage there.
3: I like it a lot, and I honestly, I don't think he's just going to be limited to playing in the inside in the league. I think eventually he'll move out and he'll be able to go all over the place. And that's how much I think of him. I, when I watch him play, I don't just see a slot receiver. You know, Antonio Brown's the best receiver in the league, but I feel like there's a world in which he's a diet version of Antonio Brown. You know, he was a starter seer so at the beginning, but then, as you expand his role, everything else he can move out. I think that Sterling Shepard can be that guy eventually.
2: I love to ask people this. Next week, if we were talking next week at this time, teams would be either moving into camp that day, have moved in a day. Training camp is coming. Training camp is basically here. What are you? What questions are you looking forward? to finding answers to in training camp league-wide uh, this next month or so?
3: I mean, I'd like to know who's playing quarterback for the team that just won the Super Bowl. Yeah,
2: that's, a, that's, uh, that's interesting. Inter- yeah,
3: that, 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 That's interesting to me. Uh, that's one that comes to mind right away. I'm trying to think what else. I, I've been so drilling down that it's kind of league-wide questions. That's What that's, about yeah, your team?
2: What, 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 what With your team, I'll give you a chance to think about league wide in the back of your head, but with your team, what, what Kevin you, White.
3: I mean, I want to see if Kevin White can play. You know, yeah, training uh, camp is full of so many. Oh, this guy looks great. Da 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 da. Best shape OTAs ever. we're closer. So it, it, it's I don't. It's it's hard for me to give it a lot of credence. I think that it's a, it's a time where we get an understanding of who's going to make the fifty three and those kind of things. But I still don't think, even into the preseason, we don't have a good understanding of what the league is actually going to look like. So, But just going into the season and for the next however long for my team, I want to see what Kevin White can do. I want to see what they use Leonard Floyd for and how that affects the front seven of their defense. And if all the changes they've made there can actually make them a viable unit on that side of the ball, the secondary is still
2: Next to garbage, but
3: I think that oh, the you guys, made.
2: Oh come on, Saint Super Bowl hero Tracy Porter's in that secondary. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Tr- Tracy's a. I'm sure he's good at
3: other things. Well, but he did a good the, job uh, against yeah, Green I mean, Bay it, last stuff year. like that. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It, it's. I think that we have to wait a little bit longer. But I mean, there's tons of stuff. I little things are interest me. The Eagles' defense interests me. Yeah, they have a ton of guys in the front seven. I think Jim Schwartz is a really good coach. Stuff like that. I want to see. What the Steelers can look like with Le'Veon Bell back. even with Brian out, yeah. I think they could be exciting. I want to see what the Bucks do in year two with Jameis. They, you know, the line is they've spent a lot on it. You know, they, J.R. is making nine and a half million dollars this year, which I just looked up today. But you know, they've done what they can to build that offense. You know, can Severian Jenkins become like the guy they thought? Can Mike Mike Evans be better this year now that he's not hurt? And Jameis will hopefully take a step forward. Things like that. You know, there's tons of it. Is Arizona finally going to be is this finally going to be the year where they take control of the conference? you know does Carolina step back to Seattle finally are these bigger contracts hurting them? I mean, there's tons of stuff
2: it makes me excited to actually play the games because I'm ready to not be in July anymore. Did you get to see the NFL film show on the Cardinals that I did, yeah, I wrote awesome about it um, the week it came out they, they sent it to me, so I got to watch them all in advance and Bruce Arians is a
3: king among men, yes. I mean we knew that he was going to be the star and he certainly was. That's awesome. I mean,
2: when NFL Films wants to do something like that and do it, I mean, they, they just, they kill it. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. We've talked about it a That's lot. That's amazing. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot on the show. It's basically year-long hard knocks. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Which,
3: who's, I mean, why are you going to be upset about that? That sounds like the greatest thing
2: ever. It does. It does. Uh, what What's your vision for the podcast? I mean, the podcast right now, you guys have been doing a great job killing time with the lists and make it intriguing what do you want the podcast to be during the season what what kind of what's your vision for what the ringer nfl show is going to be long term
3: i'm i'm going to keep that close to the chest right now we have we have some ideas there are some things that are cooking it it will not look like it has recently and we've got some things that are coming down the pipe that i think could be really cool uh we've got a big preview you know coming obviously before the season starts and it's going to take a format that, uh, hopefully, is unlike any of the formats I've done before. You know, Last year and the year before that, it was just me and Barnwell chatting about every team, every division. Uh, it's not going to look like that this year. So it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to try some new things, and I think that it can be pretty cool. So that'll be starting in, like, I don't know, three weeks or so.
2: So people want to look out for that. I know that you you're kind of an advanced stats guy, right? I enjoy it. I, yeah. I think
3: that I'd rather watch the games first, but I like knowing that there are numbers out there that can tell me a little bit more than I can see.
2: Yeah, what do you think? What do you think about evaluating football? Has advanced stats help us understand the most that we didn't before them?
3: I mean, I, the stats I use that I really enjoy. I like, um, I enjoy the snap count stats. Just understand playing time. I mean, those are counting stats, but. I, I like DVOA. Yeah. I like what Football Outsiders does.
2: Well, yeah, Just this like,
3: idea you know. of taking out the measure of raw stuff, of how many yards, how many points, not these counting measures. I want efficiency is most important, and I love that. You know, I think some of the numbers that are out there at other places, are, they're useful in some ways, they're not in others, but I think the stuff that they do at Football Outsiders, I love. You know, That staff there has done a great job for a
2: very long time.
3: Now, Brian Burke. Does a great job at advanced NFL stats.
2: Great hockey, uh, Chase GM Stewart. Too. What's up? Is a great hockey GM too. Yes, obviously.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. 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 amazing how he finds the yes. time to write about football in that way. Yeah, and uh, Chase Stewart does a great job. I mean, if there are people out there who, and obviously Barnwell is, he does an awesome job with all that stuff. But I think that goes without saying. So I feel like there are people out there doing really good
2: work with those sort of numbers, and it helps us understand the game. And that's why I've always appreciated it. The sports guests are here with Robert Mays from The Ringer. Uh, You can find him on Twitter. He's at Robert Mays there, uh, which makes that easy. Uh, His work on TheRinger.com is easy to find at TheRinger.com. And, of course, we talked a lot about the podcast, The NFL Show, uh, which is part of The Ringer's podcast network. You can find him there as well. Uh, Why don't we end on this? Make a few predictions for the season. Any kind of predictions you want to make, players, teams, oh, winning, man. just make a couple predictions. Put yourself out there on a few things.
3: I'm digging
1: through today,
3: I I think that Jacksonville is not going to be as good as people hope, but I feel like they'll be good enough to both save Gus Bradley's job and, for the first time in some time, have people excited about where they're going. You know, from the moves they've made on defense, drafting wise, and in free agency to the just total development on the offensive side of the ball. Allen Robinson's a superstar. and I think people are going to realize that this year. I'm excited about Oakland. I think that their offense is kind of overstated. Derek Carr isn't as good as people think he was last year, but their defense excites me. I think that they made a lot of really good moves in free agency. They drafted a couple of guys that are kind of coming along. And I love their offensive line. I mean, that is one of the units I'm looking forward to most this year. I think if Romo stays healthy, Dallas would be close to the offense they were a couple of years ago, and that's hard to do based on how efficient they were. But we, I think we forgot, you know, not having him play last year and having them crater so hard, he was an MVP candidate two years ago, and rightfully so. And if he can even be on the field for 14 games this year, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in that division. And, uh... Yeah, all I think Minnesota is going to be good. Uh, I thought that last year, but I I think the same thing this year. If their offensive line can be a little bit better, and Teddy Bridgewater's bones don't break every week, and we can kind of see him develop a little tiny bit more, I think that offense is a chance to be good. And I think their defense has a ton of potential, and we're not that quite there yet. You know, the numbers, especially the advanced ones, said they weren't quite as good as the eye test might have shown last year, but I think that they can get there this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were a top ten team, and. You know, they were up near the on top of the league in sacks, things like that. So those yeah. are the teams I'm excited about, but I'm really just excited about football. And they should have won a playoff game last year. We kind of forget that. So, they absolutely should have, yeah. you know, and we'll see. I mean, that Seattle team always finds a way to do that stuff. But
2: I think that that team is definitely, the upward trajectory is clear. So you do think uh, Des Bryant will bounce back from his foot problems? You're not worried about that then? I do. I mean, you know, I, think it will look what Julio did last year. You know, the people yeah. come back from that kind of injury and, it's just a matter of
3: making sure you take the right amount of rest. And Julio said that, and you know, he told me that when we chatted a couple months ago. He didn't rest well enough the first time. So if you stay off it for long enough, give yourself a chance to fully get back. You know, people play with that kind of stuff.
2: And you mentioned how you're into Jacksonville, and you mentioned Kevin White. It's interesting to me that two of the top ten picks from that draft, we haven't seen play NFL games yet. You know, that doesn't well usually happen. There's so. a chance I may write
3: something about that here in the near future.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Well, listen, thank you so much for all the time. Uh, I mentioned it's at Robert Mays on Twitter. You can find his columns on the ringer.com. And the NFL show uh, is part of the ringer uh, podcast network. Anything else you wanted to mention plug wise?
3: That's it. Go check out the ringer.com. I mean, there's um, tons of amazing stuff up there today. I mean, look at what Jordan Conn wrote about Tamir Rice's mom and. The coverage Brian and Curtis is doing from the national convention, it stuff that we're excited about, and we hope you are too.
2: Yes, it's Cleveland Week at the Ringer. Cleveland, Week. it is. Yep. Go
3: check out Cleveland Week.
2: Cleveland Week. All right, Robert. Thanks. I enjoyed this.
3: Thanks. I appreciate it. All
2: right. I want to thank Robert Mays for being on the podcast today. It's a quick kind of mid-week update because in the ever-fluid situation that was uh, this podcast, things changed. Don and I actually recorded what you heard before, Robert, the three things uh, last week Thursday. And the plan was to get this podcast up uh, around Tuesday and then uh, have it be kind of a bi-weekly show that would then uh, get us back into a weekly schedule. And it ended up that waiting for guests and things like that, it's not going to get up today, which is one week after when we recorded that initial three things. The three things itself wasn't necessarily time-sensitive on purpose. Uh, we did talk a little bit about how you know the British Open was starting. We didn't get into detail about it or anything like that, but obviously that's passed now. Um, So some of that stuff, uh, but, you know, laughing at Don, not knowing, you know, who's in first place in baseball is still relevant. Um, And we had a book club recorded, but I'm going to post this one instead so I could update you guys that uh, we just had Robert Mays from Grantland. In a second, we'll take a break and we'll have Mark Simon from ESPN Stats and Info uh, join us to talk baseball a little bit. Um, I did mention to Don in the book club update last week that it doesn't seem like Frank Deford's going to be on the podcast for a second time. Uh, The contact that sent me the books isn't responding. uh, And I kind of had that feeling. Sometimes you can have that feeling. So it's nice of them to send us the books. But it does always irk me when I say, hey, this is this thing, send books and set up an interview and they say, "Okay," and you can kind of tell they have no intention to ever set up the interview. So we're just going to move on from that. The next piece of business for the book club is the book club book of the year and we have notified the winner and the winner will be on the podcast next week Uh, and there will be a podcast next week. So uh, we're getting back to a weekly schedule and uh, I can tell you that next week uh, we will make the announcement of the book club book of the year and have the author on uh, to talk about the book and whatever else we may discuss with uh, said author. Uh, So that's about where we're at. Thanks for being patient over the summer. Uh, Obviously having a baby and some of the other responsibilities between Don and I. It's been a little bit more bi-weekly than weekly, but uh, that is over. And August should be a huge month for us. It always is. Um, And uh, we'll start having bigger and bigger guests in the month of August. Uh, Not to say that Robert Mays wasn't a big guest. It was awesome to have him for the first time. Uh, And now we'll take a break and uh, we'll talk to Mark Simon. All right, our next guest is from New York City and is a graduate of the College of New Jersey. He writes for ESPN. He covers the Mets and the Yankees at times. He tweets about stats and info. And he is an author, and his latest book, The Yankees Index Every Number Tells a Story, is available now. He is making a second appearance on the podcast today. A warm sports casters welcome to World Series savant Mark Simon. How's it going, Mark? Uh, happy hellos to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we had such a great time uh, last time. People really enjoyed it. And uh, you did mention last time that there was going to be some kind of a sequel. To your famous uh, World Series uh, rundown of all the final outs. Yep. Did anything come of that?
1: Oh man, you have you. <laughs> I'll spring this right off the bat. Okay, let's so do it. If, if you go to ESPN.com and you search me, um, there are some videos that come up. I've done a, a few since then. I did one on uh, World Series walk-off home runs. Um, oh yeah, I, I see did that here. Yep, I did one on perfect games. And then my most recent ones on YouTube, um, I did the History of the Yankees winning the World Series. So I did every year that the Yankees won the World Series, uh, which is 27 things, it's not Sixty whatever that I did for the last the for the, uh, last ads of the World Series. But I threw in a lot of tidbits and interesting uh, nuggets, too. So it's become a little bit of a brand for
2: me, and I like it, and people seem to like it, which is good. Let's talk about World Series walk-off home runs for a second, because it doesn't get much cooler than World Series walk-off home runs.
1: No, you get, like, um, Joe Carter and Bill Mazurowski right. and David Freese and the really good ones. The fun one is the first one. Um, it was kind of inspired by a picture of the first one. Um, Tommy Henrich of the Yankees hit one in 1949. And in 1949, they didn't have the jump on the plate, throw the helmet thing that everybody does now. Right. Uh, what, what they had for you was a security guard standing at home plate waiting to shake your hand. <laughs> 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 There's a great picture of it from the 1949 World Series. And I saw that, and I was like, well,
2: that's something. Like, that, that's about as cool as it gets for... Uh, for interesting anecdotes because it's completely different from how it is now the gibson home run has been everywhere this year obviously with uh with vince scully's uh last year i feel like i've seen that highlight even more than usual and you know it's it's interesting with a world series walk-off home run i mean obviously there's the one that went that that wins the whole thing and you mentioned a few of them and then there's other like random ones that can stick out like didn't Chad Curtis hit, like, a walk-off grand yes. slam against the Braves in the, was that the 99 World Series?
1: That's the one where he wouldn't talk to Jim Gray afterwards. Right, because the everyone was mad, mad at about Jim Gray because
2: of Pete Rose. Yeah, that's that's right. Yep. You know, the, you get you get those in there. And then and then there's uh, home runs that you think of that were walk-offs, but they actually weren't. Like, the Dave Justice home run in the 95 World Series, that was in the 8th inning, not the 9th. Right. You know, and, you know, so... Sometimes I, I think of those. Do you have a favorite World Series walk off home run? My <sighs>
1: favorite World Series walk off home run.
2: Boy Gibson's pretty good.
1: Um, from uh, just because I guess I was working uh, during it. The Kirk Gibson one's pretty cool. And not the I'm sorry, not the Kirk Gibson. The David Freeze one's pretty cool. David Friesen. from uh, yeah. Game Six of the 2011 World Series against the, the Rangers. Uh, when they were down to their last uh, out a couple of times. A couple of times, And yeah. Freeze hits the game-tying triple
2: and then hits the game-winning home run. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being a Rangers fan and having that on me, you know? Catch like- the
1: ball, <laughs> Nelson Cruz! Catch the ball! That's what I was... I, in fact, I was sitting there watching, and as soon as he hit it, I yelled out, Catch it!
2: Yeah, jeez, Nelson Cruz, man. You know, there's losses like that that... Uh, that I'm a huge Saints fan, and, like in 2011 we lost to the 49ers on a in a an epic playoff game that went back and forth and it's kind of one of those where as a fan you're convinced if you could just could have held on you would have won the super bowl and it's like that that's still a that's still the the divisional round though you know and then you have i just can't imagine being fans of a team with something like that to haunt you forever but uh we're getting off the rails a little bit uh You wrote a really great piece I want to talk to you about before we get into the Yankees book and some other things uh, about the Giants and some of the things that they've done at the trade deadline and uh, what, you you know, Brian Saban has been one of the best at at doing this. And it is an even year, Uh, so we expect big things out of the Giants during the even years, right? Why don't you talk a little bit about the piece you wrote and what you think is best for them this year? Where, Where do you see... Uh, where do you see them going this year? Obviously, the strength is at starting pitching. Um, what do they need to add? Uh, where, where do you where do you where do you see it headed, heading this year?
1: All right. So the the piece was just a simple list. It was like yeah. a, a mm-hmm.
2: recollection of what the Giants have done at the
1: trade deadline each of the last few years uh, when they've been in go for it mode, uh, which seems to be pretty often. Whether it's shore up the bullpen with um, a couple of relievers, Ramon Ramirez and Javier Lopez, or um, going out and getting Jake Peavy or getting Hunter Pence and Marco Scudero, uh, which turned out to be pivotal in their, uh, world series run a few years ago. Uh, most of the time yeah. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. When they got Carlos Beltran, uh, it didn't work, but it wasn't Beltran's fault. The thing that I like about Brian Sabian is that he always, uh, I always say takes shots, but it's more like he always goes for it. Uh, he's the VP and, uh, Bobby Evans is the GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they need at this point, good question. um, I feel pretty good about the top of their rotation. They might think that they need a fourth or a fifth starter uh, because PV's got a 5 year Matt Cain's got an era about six. Um, Santiago-Casilla can be a little unreliable at times at the end of the game, so I don't know if they would be in the interest for uh, Andrew Miller or Aroldis uh, Chapman. But uh, that certainly wouldn't surprise me. And then I guess with the lineup, uh, it kind of depends on Hunter Pence's absence and Matt Duffy's absence and Joe Panic's absence as to when those guys come back. If they're short-term uh, situations, I think that can be figured out. If they're long-term situations, you might want to get uh, someone to fill in because they're on this, a little losing streak right now. And, uh They've they've got uh, they've got a few weaknesses, but that's not unusual. I mean, the Cubs had a losing a uh, little bit of a losing skid uh, not too long ago, so I wouldn't like I wouldn't worry if I was a Giants fan, and I would expect that they'll do something uh, because that's their way.
2: Well, it's about ten days away from from the trade deadline as we talk, and last year was a really sexy year. You know, we had guys like David Price and uh, Tullo move uh, at or around the deadline, and you mentioned the Cubs. I mean, they started what was it 25 and 6 and maybe they're like 30 and 30 or something like that since then um maybe the Dodgers are going to panic a little bit with Kershaw and his back and what's going to happen there obviously everyone wants to know what the Yankees are going to do if Yankees fans want to sell um you know there's been quotes from Yankees management like we don't silly things like we're not quitters and I don't know that trading some guys you don't need at the deadline makes you quitters but what, 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 what's juicy to you? What are you kind of looking at as we get closer to the deadline? And what moves are in your head that you think might make the most sense for a contender?
1: Well, The Yankees just went on this little run here against the Orioles. Uh, so you don't know now whether or not they're going to do this Miller and Chapman thing. So I guess that's one. Uh, I guess there are a few other teams that need to decide what they're doing. Um, if you're at 500 right now, like the Royals, are you a buyer or are you a seller? Um, If you're a team like the Braves, do you consider trading Freddie Freeman? Probably not. Uh, If you're a team like the Brewers, do you consider trading Ryan Braun? That seems to fall under uh, probably. Uh, I don't know uh, that the Reds would necessarily look to move uh, someone pricey, but um, if there's a team out there that wants Brandon Phillips, they probably could get him on the – on the cheap, if there 's a team that wants jay bruce they 're going to have to pay a little bit more, so he 's a good name uh that could be out there at this time. Braun is probably the most uh, one of
2: the most attractive names hitter wise What about McCutcheon? Do you think there's any chance of no, no
1: no 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 oh, no no, I would hope if boy that, that, see those things like that just kind of like when I hear McCutcheon or Trout or something like that, if you get a player of that nature, you gotta hang on to that guy that, like I know that he's not having a good year. He's hitting 240 or whatever, but he's 29. He's kind of a face of the franchise kind of guy. I would really hope that they're not thinking of uh, seriously of trading him.
2: Yeah, I have a friend. I have a really good friend from Pittsburgh, and we were he he happened to come through Buffalo. We were eating Duff's chicken wings uh, <laughs> over lunch. So I don't know if he was getting if the the wing sauce maybe was was getting to his head, but I was asking him about this, and he's like, "Well, you know, we have an outfield prospect that could be even better than McCutcheon, and." I think it's just that I think they get pirates fans. I think just get scared that they're going to lose McCutcheon for nothing, you know, and and that that players like McCutcheon and even uh, Garrett Cole that their their time with the Pirates is only as long as contract control will last, and that they have to do these things. They have to be proactive. They have to make these moves. Um, and I think it makes them nervous, and I think it kind of fuels this stuff a little bit. Oh,
1: I think you're right.
2: I just think that uh, you got you gotta hope that a guy like that would would He's stick it MVP. out with the franchise. He's an MVP. But, uh, you know, that's what I said to my buddy. I'm like, how many pirates have won the National League MVP? I mean, you really want to move this guy for a prospect that you're saying somebody said could be better than him? I mean, come on. But
1: yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm with you.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was talking to you a little bit before. We were talking about uh, you got a new book. It's called The Yankee Index. Uh, every number tells a story. And it's available on Triumph Books, which means, of course, there's ebook uh, versions available. And you can get it as well in bookstores if you're a more traditional reader. Uh, so I certainly recommend that. The Fords by Buster Ol- Olney. Um, and we were talking a little bit about how the 30 for 30. Uh, had just played the Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden 30 for 30 and I was listening to the Opie and Jimmy show uh, and they had Daryl Strawberry on there and they were kind of talking about baseball in New York and how the city kind of has its ebbs and flows with which team owns the city and I think that that's a big thing that is a big reason why the Yankees have trouble uh, selling sometimes. I think that they they worry about losing control in a sense of, of the team uh, of the city to the Mets and things like that and I think it hurts them it, that maybe they're the perfect team that should be looking to—I don't know if bottom out is the right word—but sort of rebuild this a little bit. I mean, where do you get? What do you get in terms of the sense of the city's perception of the teams and how that guides both teams?
1: Well, I think at this point, Yankee fans are—I would hope—fairly realistic, other than a, a couple of. Not nutties, who might call talk radio in New York. I think they understand. Uh, and that's what's important at this time of year, to understand what you really are. Uh, and I think Yankee fans would be alright, not necessarily with a full rebuild, but with, alright, let's trade a couple of guys and get three, four prospects back and replenish the system, and then Ideally, sign a guy who's 27 or 28, trade for a young guy next year, and you've over uh, you've made a completely different look for the team, and ideally it's still one that can contend for a division uh, title and contend for the World Series next season. Uh, they're old, uh, they're brittle. I think you have to just kind of accept that at this point. That's what you get when you sign Mark Teixeira to an eight-year deal or right. you sign a, uh, um, a couple of older players. Uh, gotcha. I think they know they have to get a little younger.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting, too, that, it's almost like there isn't a signature Yankee for the first time. And, you know, the blessed to kind of jump from generational superstar to generational superstar. Jane Levy and I talked about this one time about how there's always been this like perfect succession from, you know, Ruth to Gehrig to, you know, on and on and on to even when you get to Mattingly and then you get to Jeter and now Jeter and Rivera are gone. The core four is gone and there isn't, a guy that I think of that says Yankees to me right now. And that's such an odd thing in baseball history to me. Yeah. It's uh, the Yankees
1: have always had the face uh, Jeter, Mantle, Ruth, whoever. Yeah. Um, Maggio. You know, some, sometimes, sometimes that face is Horace Clark though. That's the 19, you know, late 1960s when things weren't as good. Maybe they're going through that for a year or two, but they have too much money. The Brian Cashman's a smart guy. I wouldn't expect anything
2: to be a real long-term uh, kind of futility. Do you want to share a Yankees number that tells us a story?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So the one that I like to tell and to kind of reflect on what this book is. The book is, uh, every number, as it says, every number tells a story. So it's the story of 61 and Roger Barris and the, the shy home run hitter. Uh, who couldn't necessarily uh, handle the pressure of it very well it's 56 and Joe DiMaggio one of the greatest hitters of all time uh, it's 25 and 3 for Ron Guidry one of the most dominating pitching seasons ever in 1978 each chapter's is 4 to 5 pages uh, it's fun it's quick it's interesting there are charts tables pictures uh, it's a very easy read you can read it in the bathroom probably read the whole book in the bathroom if you want it uh, but the one that I like that kind of epitomizes the book is at the very end of the book uh, it's the number 2 and I didn't do uniform numbers so number 2 doesn't stand for Derek Jeter, 3,000 stands for Jeter. Two is Slow Joe Doyle. Slow Joe Doyle was a pitcher for the Yankees at the turn of the century, uh, and uh, he was a rookie, and he came up, and he did something that no other Yankee has done. He threw shutouts in each of his first two major league starts. Now, why was he called Slow Joe? It wasn't because of his mental status. It was because... He had a very deliberate pitching style, and he could throw the batter off with his uh, very slow uh, approach to everything, and he used to frustrate hitters with that. And there's a couple of good stories with slow Joe Doyle, and I went to Cooperstown, I was going through his file, and there was a clipping, and I, I was like, this is, this is so good, this is the perfect story, I have to include this somehow. And so it's a story of a game where the Yankees are playing whomever, and they bat around in the sixth or seventh inning, and Slow Joe Doyle is due up to bat, and he's winning the game and whatever. And nobody can find him, and they're looking, and they're, everyone's like, we're Slow Joe Doyle, we need him to bat. Finally, someone figures out where he is. They go down to the bullpen. He's lying on a hammock, fast asleep.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you didn't expect that ending, did you? I did
2: not expect him to be sleeping <laughs> on a hammock, no.
1: I, I, I like telling that one. That one has a good punchline to it. Uh, but it's, it's Slow Joe Doyle, it's Babe Ruth, It's Aaron Small, who, when I told him he was going to be in the book, says, you're going to put me in a book with
2: Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Battle?
1: It's uh, it's a good combination of the uh, historic and uh, the lesser known, and I think uh, people will like it.
2: Yeah, speaking of Yankee numbers, you mentioned 61. Did it jump out to you like it did to me that in the home run derby, Giancarlo Stanton hit 61 yes. home runs? I, yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, was pretty cool. That was I, really cool. I think we noted that um, when uh, I was working that night at Stetson and Phone. I'm pretty sure we noted that in a tweet or two.
2: Yeah, I, and I wanted to mention that. The Sports Goods are here finishing up with uh, Mark Simon from ESPN. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. He's ESPN, and he works on the At ESPN Stats and Info uh, feed as well, which I'm sure you may follow since it has 1.41 million followers. Uh, and there's always an interesting nugget or two on there. We mentioned the book. It's the Yankee Index. Uh, every number tells a story. It's available through Triumph Books, which means you can get it uh, wherever e-books and uh, paperback uh, books are available. And we'll get you out of here on this one last thing, uh, there, uh, provided there isn't anything else you wanted to plug. Uh, but I always like to ask people this. So we're just about at the trade deadline and uh, the season, we just had the all-star game. That's kind of like a halfway point to some degree. So I want to know what are the things that you are most interested in seeing play out in the second half of this baseball season? <sighs>
1: Probably, I want to see if my World Series prediction of Cubs-Red Sox comes true. Uh, I feel like it has a pretty good shot. Uh, I don't know that it's a, uh, certainly not a lock by any standards, but the Cubs pitching staff's really good, uh, and the Red Sox offense is great, and I think it's a really interesting contrast, and you'll get David Ortiz in his final season, Joe Madden in the World Series, uh, the Cubs going for breaking the drought. Uh, there are so many good uh, potential things with that. In about a week or two, H.R. is going to get his 3,000 pit. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I'm actually uh, going to a Marlins game uh, next Saturday, so I'm hoping that he does he does it while I'm there. Yeah,
2: that um,
1: is. Nice. I think that like, I like the races uh, probably more than individual accomplishments. There aren't a lot of great races um, for the divisions at this point. I'm curious to see if Cleveland can hang on, just because I think that would be great to get some new blood uh, in the postseason. Uh, and I'm curious to see if, I guess, on a general note, if the home run rate, uh, which is at its highest since I think it's like 2001 or 2000, uh, maintains uh, all the way to the end of the season because home runs are definitely uh, very much up this year.
2: You mentioned Ichiro's hits, and as a stats guy, do you look at Ichiro as the hits leader now? Uh, <laughs> I don't, but I, I I don't have a problem with people who combine the
1: number. I think if but, he had been in the majors, I think he would have had a great chance to challenge it. I think he'd be a little short at this point, but I think he would at least be in the ballpark, uh, and we would be talking about a guy going for, um, I don't know if we'd be talking about quite 4,000 hits, but I would think that he would be in the 3,700 range by now, which uh, which is pretty good.
0: And
2: do you, do you feel like if we are going to combine him that we have to kind of give Rose credit for his minor league hits then?
1: No, uh, no, 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 no. no. See, I, don't, I don't think that the Japanese league should be considered minor league baseball. Uh, I think the Japanese league is legit, uh, maybe not to the point of the major leagues, but it's certainly better than Triple I. Um, okay, interesting. So, I, yeah, I guess I would say no on that.
2: <laughs> you know, and the last thing to follow up on on what you mentioned, I, I always think about what it would have been like, you know, in 03, the famous five-outs away year. What Could you imagine what a World Series with Cubs and Red Sox, with both of them on those droughts, would have been like?
1: Yeah, it would be pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I, th- uh, <laughs> I I don't know that I, I don't know that I would root for the Cubs, but I I do tend to like in a situation like that I'm I'm rooting neutral I guess right uh, but I do like to root for the story and it would be a heck of a story and it would certainly keep me very busy uh, if the Cubs win the World Series
2: yeah it will be interesting to see uh, if that's a, maybe the last great sports drought out there right now although uh, probably all my friends in Buffalo will be saying like well what about <laughs> our seventy plus uh, professional seasons without a championship here Uh, again, it's at M Simon ESPN on Twitter and you can follow his work as well uh, at ESPN uh, stats info. Uh, The book one more time is the Yankee index. Every number tells a story uh, available in ebook formats. And of course uh, at bookstores near you and you can find his videos. We talked about them in the beginning. If you search uh, Mark Simon on ESPN, there's some cool videos and uh, the must see video, we talked about it last time, is uh, Mark reciting every final out uh, in every World Series.
1: Yep, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a uh, motorcycle just no, ran by. That's right. uh, yes, uh, it's it's back to it's 60 years worth of final outs.
2: 60 years of six final <laughs> outs. Anything else you want to mention, uh, plug? Light? No,
1: uh, just, you know, uh, and ESPN stats info of Twitter also. Uh, become one of our 1.4001 million followers. <laughs> Uh, we would appreciate
2: it. All right, Mark. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy talking to you for a bit. Thanks. All right. I want to thank our guests for being on the show today. Again, this is kind of the... First of two July episodes. We'll do a second July episode towards the end of the month, and then we'll get back to a weekly schedule uh, in August, which will kind of end up meaning that the next show will kind of start weekly because it'll just kind of – it'll just happen that way naturally. Uh, But you can find this podcast and the last one, which had Jason Concepcion and Steve Hyden, uh, on our website, www.sports-casters.com, and you can find us on Twitter – at sports underscore casters and at don sports you can also find us on facebook and you can email us the sportscasters at gmail.com
0: all right one last thing for me this week nintendo is absolutely crushing it the last few days uh the biggest thing well i'll start small to big wait can i make a
2: little bit of a humble brag
0: i was going to actually bring that up You kind of called your shot on this years ago.
2: I've been saying that it's ridiculous Nintendo's not making apps. Their IPs that they have are so Uh, great and so marketable. I hope that... I'll let you talk about Pokemon after this, and I I want to know more about it. But I hope that this opens the door to other IPs becoming apps. Because I don't think this needs to be a one-time thing for them. And they took such a, their stock went up so much, like 25% or something. And there's no reason why they couldn't have the top five games almost always in the app store. You know, like they could have a Mario brothers app, a Mario party app, uh, a Zelda app, whatever. But I've been saying this forever and thank God they finally got on board. Yeah. I
0: mean, the the app they did release is, is perfect for this, for the app format. Um, they also announced today, and I've seen it shared all over my Facebook, that they're gonna release like a $60 Nintendo console. Uh, it's gonna look exactly like the NES used to, but it's gonna like be the size of your hand. it'll have two controllers and it comes loaded with 30 games. And a lot of times those like plug into your TV consoles suck like they come with crappy games. But this is coming with awesome games. It comes with all three Mario Brothers. It comes with Bubble Bobble, which I liked. It comes with... Uh, it's a bit Castlevania 1 and 2. It's just exact remakes oh, of that's the old cool. game. With HDMI support and uh, controllers that you can also use to plug into your Wii U. Like, if you wanted to use the old school controller for the wii u but yes yeah, uh 59.99 and like i said the games that it comes with are, are great like, and
2: the nostalgia aspect there is yeah awesome any sports games it. punch out Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl. and
0: uh punch out featuring mr dream they must not have got tyson's not, permission right. i guess but uh whatever yeah. but still two great games no ice hockey no that would have been a good hockey. one blades of steel no blades of steel but you do get uh excite bike that's kind of a sports game too yeah. that was fun but yeah great i mean for sixty bucks, why not? It's pretty sweet. Uh, and then the bigger thing is obviously Pokemon Go is be- now.
2: Explain to me why this isn't fucking retarded. Because I'm leaning that way. It it
0: kind of is. Uh, a lot of it is. I played Pokemon like what Red and Yellow when they were out. That was that was probably for like the Game Boy. I don't even know if it had color. 90s, it must have had color. It must have been Game Boy Color. I think I ended up I played it on an emulator. Um, so I'm not a huge Pokemon guy. I used to play the card game a little bit, but I long left Pokemon. I don't know any of them like past the original 150 Pokemon. Now there's like 600 or something like that. But it's just you know what geocaching is? You take a GPS and someone gives you coordinates and you go find. Like usually it's like a I've heard the term. I, I generally understand. That's that. essentially what yeah. this is. You're geocaching for Pokemon and you can uh, upgrade them and. The coolest thing about this whole thing is what it has done socially. And I, I don't- Is that
2: also the worst thing about it though?
0: We'll see. Is that a two-sided coin? We'll see, I think. Uh, I think a lot of it is people are people are like, oh, kids are walking to the street without looking up from their phones. Those kids that are happen, retarded. But Those kids before. are retarded. That happened before anyway. I, yeah. I don't want to blame an app. People are kind of shining a light on the negative things. The
2: girl who ran across a four-lane highway, like you're retarded. Yeah, that's that's yeah. stupid.
0: Um that's not the app's fault, but I don't think there's any hyperbole here when I say I've never seen something bring people together like this. Like it is insane, like short of like a sports team or something. Like yeah, like That's
2: cool. That's cool. I like that part of it. I people are meeting each other. It's going to be go Pokemon babies, right?
0: <laughs> probably. Yeah. I was saying if I was a 15 year old dude, 14 year old dude, this is better than Tinder.
2: And the very first thing I ever heard about this was I saw a post on Facebook saying that you were outside with the kids looking for Pokemon.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize and, quite how far you had to walk. We were just trying to go in our backyard, and we didn't find any. But, yeah, it's, it's
2: – But it's, that's a cool thing for dads and their kids to do.
0: I've seen on Reddit a lot of people saying I was a total introvert. I never left the house, and right. she got me out of the house. Michelle went to UB at like 1130 last night, and she said it was like class was in session. There were there were just kids all over the campus. And uh, the social aspect of it is what makes it cool. And, and,
2: and of course, people are exploiting that.
0: Yes, there have been like some robberies. The way stuff.
2: people always do with everything. It's not a Pokemon thing,
0: right? Yeah, the news cycle is, is makes it sound. I rough. mean, people
2: exploit the social aspect of Tinder. People exploit the social aspect of anything. Uber, yeah,
0: Right, all that stuff. So it is really cool. Uh, and the the reason you know it's cool is the app is absolute garbage. It is a shit. I've app. heard that. It is I've terrible. heard they've had a lot of bugs. The servers they didn't are always down. The,
2: they didn't expect the.
0: Uh, I asked Michelle, my wife, because I got her into the game. I go, just install it. You're going to like it. She had no interest in installing it. She's way more into it than I am now. Uh, I asked her, I said, would you tolerate this crappy performance from any other app? And she goes, I can't think of anything else I would tolerate this from. Because you have to constantly restart the app. To have they it updated
2: not. it yet? Has there been like I version 1.01? D- 1. 01 or- no,
0: it's actually like the version I have on my phone is like 0.29. So it's like. It's barely like oh, a...
2: There's no such thing as that in Apple. I mean, they have a it's version 1.0. Yeah. Yeah. It's not open source, so... Right. Yeah.
0: But uh, the app sucks. It's going to get better. I mean, I've seen guys like the head of Amazon tweeted at them like, hey, if you guys need help with your servers, let us know. Like, That's cool, yeah. I mean, they, everyone... How long will this there. last? That I don't know. Yeah. I,
2: I, Is the game I, fun enough to sustain...
0: That I don't know. Like I said... Past the summer. I'm not a Pokemon fan, and I'm interested in it now. Right. I don't know anything about the remaining four hundred Pokemon or whatever there are, but that's as soon as it gets a little stale, you just start trickling out more Pokemon or whatever. It it's super cool. I can't tell if it's like Cult of the New or if Apple or Nintendo really did something really amazing here. Well, I think the most
2: it, amazing thing they did was put on an app. Yeah, it's, it's long it's, overdue. It's I mean, unreal. They need to use their IP to create apps if they want to be a viable game company going forward. Yep. So good for them. All right, one last thing for the show today. I just have like two or three little things I want to go over. Uh, one thing, if you're looking for a show to watch because it's summertime, uh, The Americans is so good. Such a cool show. It's
0: about the Russian spy, right? Yeah, here. the
2: concept is it's about KGB spies who – left russia to become americans in america they speak english without accents and had kids and raised families but they are and currently had businesses spies. but they're spies right right
0: felicity right is the wasn't that the actress from felicity she's i don't know mom? Carrie Russell is yeah the, yeah yeah is that felicity i think it was yeah.
2: yeah uh she's i guess the star of the show and uh it's a great show definitely worth your time uh, I would definitely check that out for sure, and the cool thing is, is the first three seasons are on Amazon Amazon Prime. Now I didn't know this, but I just heard this too. People are really into Amazon Prime, and I didn't know that it includes the Netflix part of Amazon.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they they went to the same model too. It's I think instead of being a hundred bucks a year, which maybe it's hard to pony up a hundred right, bucks monthly, and, and they it's have 99 a month,
2: and they have a thirty day trial. Yep. Um and also on there is the Arizona Cardinals season long hard knocks mm. that the NFL films made. And it's awesome. It is so good. It's eight episodes. It follows them from the draft to the cleaning out the lockers after the NFC championship game. They picked the perfect team in the perfect year. They got I mean anything short of a Super Bowl trip. I mean they got everything they would have asked for. You know, season long storylines like uh, the honey badger having an MVP season, and then Larry Fitzgerald having getting a, hurt a weirdly awesome year. They got a hail mary in a playoff game, yeah, that ended up going to overtime that involved Aaron Rodgers, and culminated in the culminated the, the Larry Fitzgerald arc that they had all season. Yep. you know of his resurgence, which it, with his you know two plays in overtime to win it, because both of the touches in overtime were him. Remember, he got the long play that got him all the way down there, mm-hmm. and then the shovel pass to win it. Oh right, yeah. Um, it's just an awesome, awesome uh, series. So Netflix is going up. They're raising the price. I think it price. already did. And I wonder – I tried Hulu. I think Hulu is definitely the worst. Unless Does you're, Hulu have original content? Unless you're a total cord cutter who needs it to watch ABC, NBC, sure. whatever. You need it to watch shows. I don't think it has much value. But
0: even if you're a total cord cutter, just buy all three. Right. I mean, 30 bucks instead. Yeah. If you're
2: a total cord cutter, you're buying all three. Yeah. If you're not a cord cutter and you're looking for just alternative content, you know, maybe you don't have movie channels.
0: Yeah. How are the movies? Because that's where I would put I've had Netflix and I'll probably never get rid of it because you just kind of forget about it. and It's 10 bucks a month or whatever. And the original content on Netflix is awesome.
2: Yeah. and, And documentaries. Netflix is number one there's a huge library but as far as of if you're looking for like a new movie it's, it's kind of weak.
0: weak is amazon prime better with that
2: i haven't gotten that i can't answer that question to like fairly okay you know i don't know enough yet it's light on documentaries there's not a lot which i always look for because i enjoy them
0: yeah i mean hopefully they can get we always talk about this the golden age of television if they can get something like orange is the new black over on that Net- and they have H-
2: they have hbo shows on Amazon. Oh, that's sweet. You know, so if you want to do Sopranos or The Wire or something like that, they have HBO shows. Oh, so. that's cool. No, it's very good. And for ten ninety nine, I think it's totally worth it. And like I said, they do a thirty day trial, which is really good. Yep. Uh, to get thirty days to try it out, and while you're trying it out, you can order some diapers for free shipping or whatever. Right, yeah. Else, Amazon Prime. Whatever else Amazon Prime does, it's not just that, which is a huge advantage for Amazon, because. And it's music. That's
0: absolutely huge. I mean, Music
2: as well. You can stream music on there like Spotify and other music streaming services. Huh. So um, Amazon Prime is really good. I really enjoy The Americans. And if you're looking for a TV show and if you're looking for something for sports, uh, they knocked it out of the park with that Cardinal show. One, two, three, four. Three.